are listening to This Afia Beast. Ooh, yeah. Willkommen to the Bliss of the Abyss, the 95th episode of the Bliss of the Abyss, started all the way back in March of 2020, amidst the chaos and mayhem of the first lockdown and smouldering ruins of a once glittering career, I picked up a Zoom H4N microphone and spoke those first words, hello. Don't know what I said, actually. But that's how it began, that's how this podcast began, and this is where we are now, episode 95 and over two years later, goodness me, doesn't time fly? Or not, or does it? Feels kind of like time doesn't fly anymore. But then when you check it, time has flown. So it doesn't feel like it's flying until it already has flown. Hello! As you can tell, I'm in a bit of a silly mood. And that is the perfect vibe for this episode featuring my very good friend and friend of the show, Niels Hennesteer. This is... A bit of an insane one. I was in a very giggly mood when we recorded this. It was quite late and we chatted for hours. This is actually an edited version. We even carried on chatting after we cut the mics. Um, so this is um, this is a trimmed down uh, version of, uh, of a longer uh, chat, which covers all sorts of topics, from medical malpractice to piss collectors, from Swedish philosophy to having four nans. I mean, this is a wild ride. I think it's probably one of the best episodes I've ever recorded. Certainly my favourite one with me and Nils. And I'm going to call this episode, They Call Me The Wasp. And if you stay for the final story, you'll understand. But in the meantime, it gives me nothing but great pleasure to welcome my dear friend back to the show, Mr. Nils Ennis. Recording progress. Well, the warm-up was gold, and now it's just oh well. Shite. Yeah, yeah. What, what we're going to have to do is sort of wait until the glory strikes us again, because we'll be wading through the muck for a while yet. I'd imagine. Should we go with? You no, know, go on, go on. You know, when um, George Costanza and Elaine are by themselves and it's just tedium, that's what's coming up. (laughs) (laughs) I I like tea. (laughs) Fruit tea. Well, I wanted to, I don't think we have a George and Elaine um, dynamic, but we'll see if it will develop. Do you remember the one where he gets a crush on her? We'll see who gets a crush on who. Um, You know, there's a long way to go yet. (sighs) Or a short well, way, depending on not if one of us is already there, Rob. <laughs> Full blown man crush. <clears throat> I'm I'm edge lording the whole thing. <laughs> but I th- I wanted to start by saying congratulations are in order because it's your third time on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> <laughs> a little in joke there. <laughs> no, do you want to share your good news with people so I don't have to butt you up? <laughs> well, there are actually two bits of good news, but I assume you're referring to the fact that I've been hired to Uppsala University. Yeah. Pending the contract. It's coming, right? <laughs> right? right? Any day now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been like four weeks, but I'm pretty sure they're going to post it through. I've been teaching for two months, but <laughs> any day now. 
do you guys get paid in Sweden? No. <laughs> yeah, so I've been hired as an associate lecturer. What does that mean? It's basically a tenure track position. It's what you hope for as someone in the philosophy job market. It's a, ostensibly a four-year position, but with the expectation that it's be made permanent. And it has 50% research, 50% teaching distribution. So it's, yeah, it's what I've been working for since at least 2014, I'd say. Awesome. So very exciting. And then the other exciting news was that a paper that I co-wrote with a former colleague of mine who actually is the other half of the 2009 Michigan entering year in the doctoral program, because oh. we were the only two people who were admitted that year for various reasons having to do with a slightly uh, weird um, visiting weekend, mm. which we can go into or not. Well, the weird thing is I did an MA with only one other person on it as well. Right. Okay. So we, okay. You, yeah. you know, the you know, the feeling. Yeah. It's, bizarre. it's, it's hard to tell if you should feel kind of snubbed because everyone else knew better and left, or if you're, if you, you know, you're the elite. But anyway, we uh, wrote a paper together, um, which we've also worked on for about seven or eight years. And it's just been accepted a couple of weeks ago to ethics, which is the, for those, for those not in the know, it's the journal in moral philosophy and, uh, yeah so just just amazing brilliant so uh the obvious question is what are you doing wasting your time on my poxy little podcast talking bollocks well you know how am i going to get the word out rob to <laughs> all the secret uh moral philosophers out there yeah no that's a big chunk of my audience is uh moral philosophers you'd be surprised and people in Uppsala who want to know the ins and outs of university hiring in their town they're just it's a weird demographic yeah, actually, my friend moved to Uppsala. You're not going to believe it. He's a graphic designer. He moved there. He loved it. Yeah? Uh, yeah, he's dead now, but, you know, COVID. <laughs> okay. Okay, no, well, Swe the Swedes, they didn't do much, did they? I mean... No, they, <laughs> they took a different approach, but I don't, want it, I, don't want, I don't want to give you the platform to get political about that. They might rescind it. Look, the contract's still in the post, mate. <laughs> don't shoot yourself in the foot here. Is it, Lovely though? Is Sweden. it still <laughs> Use the post. Is it an electronic <laughs> form? <laughs> Is it, I think the email's just on its way. It's just crawling along. Have you ever found cable. something in your junk box that you're like, this is important? Yes. Yeah. yeah Thank yeah. ye gods that I look. Because I know some people who don't look. They just they just leave it to fester and <laughs> rot, and then they'll just click empty every now and again. Seems sensible. So is your friend still there? It sounded like he'd left. Well, he recently came here to get married, and then I think he's like sort of arming and ar because he's from here. He's arming and aring whether to re relocate his life, but he loves it in Sweden. So, okay, you know that's one. I don't know how many, how large the population of Uppsala is. We can find that out pretty quick. That's all the data set I need. <laughs> Someone's mate. <laughs> Have they you ever visited? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've been there a couple of times. I gave a talk there. Right. I seem to remember a few years ago you were uh, angling for a similar job in the same town. Yes. So in fact, I interviewed for the basically the same job. And um, under the advice of my brother, who is uh, he's an investment banker, basically living in, living it up in Vancouver. When I told him I had the interview, he said they were going to do it on Skype. This pre-COVID, so you know there was mm. no, no Zoom. And he said, um, you write to them now or call them and say, I'm coming out to Uppsala. 
mm-hmm. he's thinking you know being kind of from the cutthroat corporate world you got to draw yeah. first blood yeah so i did and sure enough they're like okay yeah if you want to come and i was like this is too easy and then the same afternoon they sent an email out to all the candidates going if you'd like to come to sweden oh. <laughs> oh. So now I was just, I had no advantage in the application. And now I was just the dick who was wasting their money, flying people out and putting yeah. them in hotels that they could resent. It was, uh, if anything, total, they, total they probably goal. were like, ah, you came, Mr. Anister. Great. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> had to get dressed for this one. Couldn't stay in. <laughs> no, couldn't stay in my pajamas. Uh, nice to see you. No, but you know what? Probably laid some groundwork such that when it came back around again, you were like, it's me via Zoom this time. Remember me? I took the- they were like, ah, oh, this dickhead again. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Money pit steer. <laughs> you won't believe who we've got on it. Yeah, come here, Bjorn. <laughs> Have a look. You go, you reveal in the call. You're like, I mean, I did. I know we're doing it over Zoom, but I did fly to Uppsala just in case. I'm, I'm just a few doors down if you do want to meet. But I, it's okay if you don't. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> the Bliss of the Abyss. Do you ever... Because I imagine that the pool of um, aesthetics philosophers is fairly small on the earth, even though we've got, what, 8 billion people? Probably not that many aesthet- aestheticians. Do you run into the same people on the on the job circuit out there? Yeah, well, or you would if you got interviews. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Um, it depends because if you apply to the US and you apply to Europe, you get a slightly different pool because not everyone is willing to, like I am, to move their family <laughs> <laughs> across oceans to make the dregs of their career live up to some shadow of a dream um but yeah basically you sort of do yeah but obviously in this case i didn't run into anyone because it was all on zoom but i did um i did zoom with one of the other candidates immediately afterwards to kind of swap notes and stuff yeah yeah because we know we all know each other like you say not from the interview circuit but from the conference circuit right and uh yeah, so you know, you know most people. Did you call him up again? I assume it's a he. That's terrible of me. Did you call them up again it, after? It, it was it was a he. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also imagining if I'm going to start stereotyping that the pool might be largely male as well. Um, but philosophy in general is about seventy five percent male. Professional philosophy, yeah, twenty five percent good. <laughs> <laughs> All male though, so <laughs> take that, liberals. You should send him them. Um, I don't know their pronouns. A uh, an invitation to another Zoom, mm. and call it notes comparing part two. He'll you know join. Be like hi, and you'd be like nah 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 nah. Well, it'd be cruel of me to do that twice, Rob. So I consider that already. Oh wait! Even better if you've already done it, because you can you can call it Olive Branch <laughs> and proceed to further up. He's there punching in the numbers of my Zoom room like this. This can't be good. Well, let's see what he has to say. You know, maybe he's. I just open. You know, tick ticker tape. 
<laughs> We're still partying here, buddy. <laughs> Sucks for you. Typing in. Somehow you've got, you know, like those vanity plates. Somehow you've got um, a Zoom code number. Vanity is like boobs. There's some <laughs> 8008. Something is wrong with this. Boobless. Okay, join. <laughs> Password. Yeah. I don't know why I'm joining. This feels like a setup, but I want to hear what this bastard has to say. Yeah. No, I um, I won't, I won't be doing that, Rob. No, and good. That's precisely why I'm the right candidate. Yeah, there we go, right? Because your ethics are on point. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> at least as far as interviews go. <laughs> yeah, in the theoretical realm. Well, congratulations, dude. Thanks. What's really uh, good news? What's new with you? I've just found the funniest YouTube clip ever, and that's why I look a bit red in the face. I've just been laughing. Do you want to see it? Go on, then. By the way, I look red in the face because my camera defaults to tomato uh, in a way that I have no control over. Is it a filter? No, no, it's just like... (laughs) Wait, the way you said no made it sound a little bit guilty, though. (laughs) No! (laughs) Damn, he's caught me. Listen, those fetish days are behind me. Uh, the, the tomato world, it was too intense. Um, All I'm saying is I'm going to be doing this for the whole of the rest <laughs> of the course, so we'll see who's intense. Doing what, Rob? It just looks like you put, you put on your regular sunglasses. I'm... That's right. That's what I've done. Um, right. Do you want some context for this clip? It's only 14 Go seconds. On. Yeah. Okay. I would categorize it in the realm of news blooper. <laughs> okay which actually is a ripe mind for comedy if you ask me um it's from america they're doing a link from one segment to another what could possibly go wrong right after the break we're going to interview eric weidenmayer who climbed the highest mountain in the world mount everest but he's gay i mean he's gay excuse me he's blind we'll hear about that tomorrow. okay as we have the break <laughs> Wait, what was the actual story? He's lying? Blind. <laughs> He's blind. Oh, God. Why does she think they're the same thing? Hold on, listen again. Right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weidenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me, he's blind. We'll hear about that tomorrow. Okay, as we have the break. She's confused herself by how confused she is because she repeats... He's, he's gay. He's... Sorry, he's gay. <laughs> By which I mean, he's obviously gay. No, I'm sorry. Ooh, off day. He's totally gay. God. Yeah. You may also have noticed that I've enabled um, the dislike button to be reshown. I didn't like them <laughs> taking it away. So uh, wait in that video. In in all of YouTube. Check it out. Look at this. Nine people didn't like this. I did. Although the quality of the video is quite poor. Wait, they've... They've got a bit resolution. It's chip tune news. Did, wait, they've removed the dislike button? Go to YouTube on your computer and see if you can see the dislike count on any any video. What am I looking at? He's, Char- he's blind, not gay. <laughs> Charlie bit my finger. Charlie bit my finger. Sold as an NFT for many, many yeah. millions. Yeah. Okay. Oh, there's a dislike button. Yeah, click it and see if it tells you how many you got. Feedback shared with the creator. Yeah, oh. there we go. Now I feel bad. I can unclick it. 
<laughs> Moral quandary. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I think they mm. did. It was an it was an attempt to sort of. Um, at least this is what this is what they said to sort of uh, get people to be less negative on their platform because, as you can imagine, a platform like YouTube has a lot of negativity. Yes, yeah, you know, YouTube comments are so bizarre because obviously in the moan they're just like a in the moan he's gay. <laughs> um, in, in the main, they are just these like cesspools, yeah, of bile, and he's just thinking who. Who the fuck is doing this? Yeah. But then there are occasionally videos, like music videos in general, right? Or there'll just be recordings and it would be set up as a YouTube video where it's just people. It just brings out like the best in humanity. Yeah. They're just there going, I love this song so much. Or this song is the one we danced to at our wedding. And I remember that, you know, or yeah. my father died last year and. If this was his favorite, and there are always these really touching things. Yeah. My favorite comment sections are the brown noise videos. Wait, as in, is this, am I guessing right, the fabled brown note that when you hear it, it makes you shit your pants? No. So <laughs> you're familiar with white noise, right? It's quite a harsh static. Yeah. Then there's pink noise. So if white noise is like, then pink noise is like, and brown no, noise. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> You can't just make the same noise two times in a row and pretend you're gaslighting me. That was the same thing. No, 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 no. Here's the first one, white noise. Here's the second one, big noise. Totally different. Oh, I get it now. Yeah. Um, pink noise is slightly has a slightly less harsh kind of timbre to it. It's like uh, deeper. In terms of frequency, it's a low. Yeah, the lower frequencies are more prominent. Exactly. Um, there's not exactly a note because it's not like static noise has yeah. like is kind of harmonically simple enough to strike a note. But and then brown noise is like one even lower. So you're getting closer to kind of the sound of an aeroplane when you're just mm. sat there, right? But if you go to the brown noise, it's because so some people like myself put this on because they find that noise comforting or it helps them sleep or whatever. But if you go to the comment sections, it's just a bunch of people interpreting the noise, but in the most beautiful pro-humanitarian way you could imagine you know this is reminds me of sitting in the back of the car my mum and dad are driving up front and i'm just drifting off to sleep you know or i'm on my way on a holiday and it's the excitement on the plane and there's it's, it's there's like 50 different interpretations for this identical noise it's just just okay let's, let's try one let's try one go for it okay this is brown noise <clears throat> This feels like when you're about to fall asleep on a road trip. You look outside the window, see the night sky and the forest along the road, the faint glow of the light of other cars passing by. And even though the windows are closed, you can feel the chilly wind on your skin, a comforting silence, not too loud or too quiet. And then first reply, you're gay, you're blind. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't, was it? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. The comments are all very positive, as you as you say. It's very interesting. And Let it... me read one. Let me read one. This sound is like wearing a comfy jumper and snuggling up beside an open fire, toasting marshmallows. This is like being on a plane when it's really dark and everyone's asleep. <laughs> that one's quite 
to the point. To the point. Here's, 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 here's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. This reminds me of a memory. Can you be reminded of a memory? Mm, that's a good question. It's like a meta memory. I remember having a memory. This reminds me of a memory from the beach in Hawaii. Me just walking, looking for rocks and cool seashells. Those times were better. I wish I could relive them. I'd get to talk to my grandma that died a year after this memory. There is another memory. Sitting in a hotel on the balcony, watching the stars, listening to the ocean, excited about the things I'm doing the next day. And it just goes on. Wow. It's amazing. It like draws out everyone's slightly crap Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't know about brown noise. Is that, so we've got white noise, pink noise and brown noise. Is that it? It seems like a rather restricted colour palette, doesn't it? I mean, if your child brought you a painting using just white, pink and brown, would you be thrilled or would you be like, add a splash of like, green, son? <laughs> Katerina, genitalia again. I mean, can we move beyond the orifices, please? I still um, don't know what the white one is. Do you really use, so you really use brown noise, do you? For relaxation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes if I'm working or if I'm away at a hotel and no one else cares about what noise is being blasted in the room, I'll just crank brown noise, yeah. <laughs> and what, does it help you go to sleep? Does it just help you zone out? Or does it make you feel like you're in the back of a car? <laughs> kind of all, all of the above. You know, my least favourite point uh, when I'm taking a bath is when I have to turn the water off because, like, the bath mm. is full. And there's a palpable change in my mood. It goes from just, ah, to, yeah. Yeah. No, now what? I better start draining it so I can pump yeah, the tap yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our hot water bill is just <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> and the no hot cost water of living crisis. Is there a cost of living crisis in Germany? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. You've got to stop running your baths. Just close your eyes and listen to brown noise. That's much cheaper. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's it sounds a lot more pleasant than the sound of cash just slipping through your fingers, which is just... Unpleasant. I got a question um, for you. Hold yeah. up. Um, you said before, can you remember a memory? <laughs> isn't that what you're doing when you have a memory? Isn't it that the remembering is the act of like conjuring back up memory? Isn't it? Isn't that all memory is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would just, I would say that's re remembering because if you remember a memory, it's natural to think that the memory is something remembered. But Wait, if isn't that wouldn't that be remembering? Remember, I remember remembering something. Wouldn't it be that as opposed to I remember a memory? Yeah, that's so. That's how I hear. I remember a memory. Ah, okay. because the, the natural way to uh, express it for me is, I have a memory. <laughs> <laughs> Not like ah, I remembered that I have a memory. Yeah, because if you had to remember a memory to remember, then it seems like you're going to have an infinite regress of memories, and you're going to have like. <laughs> I don't know some like Hebrew glyph order of memories, you know, in some infinite series or something. Turtles all the way down. Yeah, it's memories all the way down. It never bottoms out in an actual event that you experience. But I think sometimes, some sometimes memories are sort of it, you. It's a passive thing, and sometimes it's an active thing, right? So, so yeah i'm remembering a memory yeah i see you see can kind of like be struck by something and go hold on i remember this thing now or there's that thing which i'm sometimes good at sometimes bad at when you're talking to someone and they go oh and you go let me just finish and you finish and they go ah i forgot what i was saying 
And they, they go, what were we talking about? It was this. It, no, it was the bit before. You were talking about the mouse. It was a small, there was a, there was a hole. You were talking, it was a, a wooden, <laughs> that's it, wooden. And then it's like, you kind of have to, that's a more active way of getting a, a memory involved. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I don't think there's anything particularly deep about what I'm saying rather than just kind of like pedantic, but uh, I would describe that as remembering what you were saying. Like, what's the object of the act of remembering? It's the scene or the thing you were going to say. Mm. The object of it is not the memory. The memory is the... Th you conjure a memory. Do you remember a memory? That feel, I don't know. That sounds, sounds odd to me. Whatever. I know what she means. Well... Glad we settled that. Glad we settled it. What happens <laughs> when you have a, a clash of memories with two? So we can tell the story of the piss. <laughs> <laughs> so let's explain. <laughs> to the, that is quickly explain what it means. Um, we were uh, in a group chat and one of the members of the group chat fell silent for quite a long time. Were in a group chat. This sounds like oh, no. <laughs> the story has a much more catastrophic end. Jeez. <laughs> I remember being in the group chat. Um, <laughs> yeah. We still are in the group chat, but um, a moment came up in the group chat. You were there. And um, we were talking about, let's call him Stuart. We were talking about one time when Stuart and I and you were in university together and he was very lazy and would piss into uh spare jars or pint pots that he had in his room and let's say they would uh stock up and <laughs> at, at a certain point we basically insinuated that his room every <laughs> spare bit of table or shelf <laughs> every receptacle <laughs> was at least half filled in various states of decay and he was nowhere to be seen to rebut the charges and I think it spiraled out of control. And in a weird way, it supplanted the actual memory I had. And now this much more lurid image of Stuart, the piss dweller, um, whose name is Dave. <laughs> no, 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 let's not call him Dave. Let's call him um, Mr. Jones. I think that's more. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he did turn up and uh, he confirmed it to be true. Basically, he confirmed the story. I... It's true. My pseudo memory of that is now not one or two pint glasses with yeah. nom nominal amounts of piss. It's like, <laughs> like you know, someone who who collects like um, <laughs> someone who collects animal parts in jars, and they just have like a storage <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like that but someone's removed all the lids yeah. instead of animal parts it's just uh. his human urine do you think just on, <laughs> on every possible shelf space teetering <laughs> where do you get all the glasses dave <laughs> do you think you know back then when there were those collectors like the victorians they'd be like and this is the uterus of a wombat yeah. you know it'd be like weird jars of everything do you think even back then people were like oh it's a bit much man <laughs> there's this I mean, thing there's this thing in london called the horny man museum it's it's this this victorian explorer he collected like all these things right all these different jars things in formaldehyde one of the most intense is like it's the stages of like i think it's a kangaroo but it could be some other kind of animal of of like from embryo to almost birthed fetus mm. and they're all just 
like stuck in time in that stage of development yeah. in formaldehyde in a jar and it's like four weeks <laughs> five and a half weeks <laughs> just a bit like, why are you doing this man eight weeks you, you put your ear to the judge kill me <laughs> We're we're not killing him. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been even funnier. By funnier, I mean deeply distressing, of course. If cool. Dave had also given us tours mm. of his collections, here's here's one of at five weeks. <laughs> it's in a John Smith's glass. Um, it's three quarters full. It's pretty cloudy. Um, Just in the back, imagining us bidding for it. 200 years into the <laughs> This is disgusting, Dave, but I'll give you 50 <laughs> for the Guinness glass at seven Oh, weeks. 60 to the man in the corner. <laughs> Do I hear an advance on 60? Yeah, Dave, Dave, Dave don't, take, don't take 60 for it. You'd be, you'd be mad. 65 to the gentleman in the hat. <laughs> and it's sold for 200 to the gentleman drinking out of the glass. <laughs> Please don't do that, sir. <laughs> Next up, <laughs> this rare item where Dave drank only cabbage juice for three weeks. <laughs> one of a kind, the only one left in this collection. <laughs> the visuals are appalling, but the smell is really next level. Um... <laughs> we jest, but there's this place in... Uh... Bethnal Green called Victor Wind House of <laughs> Curiosities and it's like it's like the sort of modern take on that Victorian explorer idea so it's way weirder uh, and like one of the things he's got is like a collection of like fossilized celebrity shit <laughs> oh, God. like in a jar he's like this is Amy Winehouse's kind of thing and you're just walking around his weird shop and he's like you're just like this is tragic and it's all like am i going too fast or too slow i'm not i'm not sure it's like a it's like a whirlwind of information but <laughs> i haven't taken speed measurements yet i just know <laughs> i don't I'm like blind. it blind um it's victor wind victor wind okay i mean the name is already it's a you know it's a bizarre one how is he obtaining these fecal samples? I don't know, man. I think he, <laughs> I think he's he's like got a you know he's got a, a phone line to the the famous, the rich and the famous. It's, here he is. This is it. He's like a weirdo. Look, cabinet of monsters, dead pets, human hair. You know, he's one of these guys. So it's a bit more macabre. I think that's him. If I had to guess, he's like uh, some Aristos kid who grew up mm. with money and uh, like connections, but was weird. And that is completely based on speculation and conjecture. I have no idea. But if you go to his place, you'll you'll realize that that's probably a good enough guess as any. Money and connections, and apparently no toys, so he had to. Construct playmates from fecal matter and hair. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Mr. Pooh. <laughs> You're my best friend. <laughs> oh, I've destroyed him again. <laughs> Why do they always die on me? <laughs> What's that, Mr. Jones? You've brought me another pint glass. 
<laughs> Thank you. Sixty. Yes. Sixty to the round. Sixty <laughs> to the mentally disturbed child in the empty room. You know, where they're talking really fast, is it a bit like, you know, like jazz scat? You know, like sometimes they're not actually saying words in scat, right? Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. Kind of like jungle MCs where they're like biddly, 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 bow, right? Sometimes it's yeah. actual words. Sometimes wait, 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 wait. <laughs> too fast it, or too slow? It, it, <laughs> it's such a whirlwind of information, Rob. I haven't yet taken speed measurements. Um, you tell me biddly 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 bow is biddly <laughs> biddly whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you're telling me that okay you're telling me a they say diddly and and b you're telling me this, this is nonsense i'm not sure i'm i'm conge it's conjecture <laughs> much like my speculation about victor wind but maybe the auctioneers aren't actually saying anything when they're talking really fast it's just they're more like a jungle mc um, mm. I think it's probably somewhere between the two. If the options are jungle MC and perfectly formed, yeah, perfectly formed sentences, very yeah. fast locutions. I suspect what they're doing is a a bit like journalist shorthand, mm. right? Where in the same way that we truncate words in colloquial speech, because they're saying the same thing over and over and over again, and the demands of the job, it just gets like really. Right. That's a good right. point. Yeah, because the same sort of vernacular will come up time and again in the vagaries of the job. Yeah, and because it would also be really weird if they're in a job where they have to say stuff really fast. I'm assuming that's the case, by the way. They have to say stuff really fast in order to keep the excitement up or whatever. Mm. And they decided to just add gibberish in there. I mean, that would seem to slow them down, if anything, right? Would add hurdles. Or is the idea that they're supposed to... If Phil, you can never have a moment's silence. <laughs> is it? If you feel words slipping away, you've got biddly, biddly, biddly bow left <laughs> in the chamber, just in case. <laughs> you need to listen to a um, an auctioneer and see if any of the terms are biddly, biddly... And go to the gentleman of the biddly 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 bow in a hundred pounds. And here we go. Fast talking auctioneers compete for top prize. I mean, these are going to be at the freak end as well of an already very quick art form. Tim Markham East Iowa seem to have the right voice, along with his expression and good voice control. Wait, wait, good voice control. It's like an aesthetics dimension of judgment here. It's quite interesting. Sorry, yeah, I just there's a, there's a commentator. This is like a spot. Yeah. She's like watching, going Tim there with the interesting biddly in the no, middle no, no, of a no, twenty. No, 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 Rob. No, I tell you what's happening. This man is so incredible. He's... In addition to do the rapid, in the rapid thing, he is providing the commentary in a woman's voice. He's just, you know, it's the form of like, ventriloquy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like Mongolian throat singing, uh, singing, but with auctioneering and TV commentary. He's able to do his own director's commentary on his life. You know, there's a reason he's won it eight times in a row. There. Markham, he's quite good, but I think he's doing quite a lot of fiddly. <laughs> Not enough bow. This is a live auction event, um, so anybody here at State Fair can buy any of the items. Judges <laughs> That's what he was excited about. <laughs> People can buy stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'd love it if they would. Uh, 
Times are tough. <laughs> um, well, please, please buy something. It's we're really, really struggling. Yeah, look, he won a trophy. Look at that. Yeah, he did. Now, um, you could you could play it, of course, on YouTube at like 0.25 speed, and then we could. <sighs> Fucking hell! Can we do that? Settings, playback speed. <gasps> this is this is, this is why they pay me the big bucks, Rob. This. Is gonna should I put on captions? Oh, they've dis- of course they've disabled it. Of- I imagine if you put captions like it just says biddly, biddly, biddly bow, biddly. <laughs> <laughs> Fill there with two bows after a biddly. That's very unorthodox stuff. That'll, that'll, be, that'll be a deduction right there. <laughs> Let's hear him on 0.25 playback speed. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I don't- not sure the audio is good enough on this one. I don't think this is gonna. I don't think this is gonna work. Apart from anything else, the commentary is making it an extra layer of difficulty. Uh, let's see if we can find someone else with uh, with crystal clear commentary before we abandon this as uh, redundant. <laughs> Here we go. An auctioneer. Oh, no. <laughs> Ah, it's like I'm stuck in hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely <laughs> hypnotic. Auctioneers contest. Finals. Quick. I can't believe this is four minutes. Right. When do they? Okay, hold on. Looks like we got a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a bit later. It's it's. Oh, we only get a tiny bit there. And I think he's chatting bollocks. He goes, "All right, here we go." I think okay, we're gonna see it. Good luck. Good luck to everyone if this works. I understood it, Rob. You know, you know, you know. I just realised as well. These are not good videos to watch because they have to be talking bollocks. Because if it's a competition where you just have a bunch of people lined up to do auctioneer talk, they're not going to be selling something every time, are they? <laughs> yeah, it's a good if they just run out of cattle, are they going to say to the last people, well, sorry, you, you can't compete. We just have nothing to sell. They might have a few jars of piss runs. <laughs> <laughs> Could we get the uh, Davy Jones collection? Uh, should be at least 3,000 jars and pint glasses <laughs> in various stages of development, shall we say. Imagine the poster, 25th annual cattle auction, <laughs> and this S- supporting act, Baby Jones, jars, and a wink emoji, jars, Davies jars. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point though, because what could he possibly be saying? He's not selling anything. Yeah. Yeah, but there yeah. is those competitions. I think it's in the US where they have debate. They do debate competitions, but speed debating. Have you seen it? I don't think so. But they actually they actually write it out and practice it all ahead of time. Um, and they're actually making cogent arguments to try. And it's, it's a specific kind of style. I think, is it called Chicago style or is it, or am I remembering something else? It's, this is called Chicago style. I think it's this. <laughs> <laughs> At point two five speed. High school debate. 
is not what it used to be. There is the traditional debate still, but now there's a hybrid. That's right, policy debate. It's about detailed research and the physical ability to argue your side and just a few- Be faster! <laughs> WD and Sean Lewis introduces you to the fast minds and some fast talking you found at Whitney Young High School. Overall health work, she's not- the It's debate so fast. So few of us can actually understand. Ensuring medical care for immigrants is critical to obtain a swipe. But here at Whitney Young High School, some of the country's best- Why? What's- holding their craft. And rising health across collapse the economy- Kevin Hurd. And Miss A.L. Gonzalez <laughs> are ranked among the top high school policy debaters in the country. <laughs> that Newman in the background. That's Newman in the background. Newman in the background. Frankly, given what they're doing, I can't think of a more appropriately nonsensical figure to be leering over them. Now, what is the point of this? What like, the fuck no, is the point? Don't get me wrong. I'm a real pluralist and a real admirer of the diversity of human practices and things people find rewarding and aesthetically pleasing yeah. and so forth. But, <laughs> biddly, what are they doing? What the fuck are they doing? What? And why are they the... He was like, he's the top, one of the top in the country. At what? At what? <laughs> What's Pissing this? away his time, apparently, and embarrassing his parents. <laughs> It's so weird. It kind of reminds me of like Guinness World Records where it's like he broke the world record for running in a straight line with a milk bottle in his head. And you're like, that's <laughs> not a world record. This is a completely irrelevant thing to human progress. It's added nothing. It's taken away nothing. It's it's a net nothing. Yeah, I don't know why they're doing it. But, you know, they're hot prospects, mate. They're biddling their way to the top. <laughs> They are going places. Where those places are is yet to be established, but they're going there. <laughs> Good. How did we end up talking about no idea. Um... I don't know. Do you think if we slowed them down to 0. 0.25? <laughs> it sounded like they were Italy, Italy, Bo, Bo. That was two bows in a row there, David, I'm afraid. It's back to the pint glasses to you. Man, I spent three years on the pine glass sack. <laughs> Not enough. Not enough time with the pine glasses. It's like that. Um, have you seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi? Where it's like, he's like 93. He's this sushi master. And his mm. son is like 55. And he's been doing the egg omelette for like 23 years. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, please, dad, I just want to cut some fish. And he tries the omelette. He's like, you're not ready, son. <laughs> Carry on. One day you'll get the egg right. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly because it became really evident watching that as well, that all the work had gone on in the selection of the fish. Everything, everything else was just, you know, you could take it or leave it, like brushing the soy sauce on the, you know, that stuff I could do. It's the selecting of the fish is where this guy's genius is. And so to insist that his son just <laughs> keep making the fucking omelette, it's it's just cruel. <laughs> it is cruel. It reminds me of, you know, the prank you do when you're with your friends or whatever, of like, oh, no one makes a cup of tea like Nils, right? Oh, Nils. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, let me make you one of my Nilsy cups of tea. <laughs> exactly. He's been gaslighting his son his whole life. Oh, dear. <laughs> Which is, and that's the point, of course, where Dave gets up and is like, no one makes a drink <laughs> like David. Jones. No, 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 please. <laughs> I've got plenty. 
And his excuse was for these endless jars of piss in his room. <laughs> And they were the toilet was upstairs. One flight up. That's totally false. Wait, is it not even true? This was in first year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was down the hall. What's he talking about? There, was down, up- there were three stairs, but they went down. And I don't mean three staircases. I mean three steps. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a sleepwalk away from his... In the bathroom, <laughs> but half a sleepwalk away from the next empty jar, of which there were copious numbers. I'm actually guessing he didn't even get out of bed most of the time. He probably just rolled to one side, had a few pint glasses at the ready. <laughs> a few? <laughs> yeah, well, otherwise you have to aim. <laughs> I was imagining because he wasn't sure how much fluid he was going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine him laying down, you know, turns turns off the light, looks over, he sees three solid pine glass. He's like, just get out of fourth. You never know. A cheeky half. <laughs> God forbid I have to walk down those three steps. Oh, my God. Oh. Poor, poor Dave. It's bad. Did you ever know anyone who was a hoarder? <laughs> Dave Jones. <laughs> Wait, your name's Stuart. <laughs> it is convenient that he has a generic name, you know. <laughs> If it was my name, I mean, everyone could find out exactly. Yeah. It was um, like a proper hoarder. I, mm. No, no, I don't think like a like a pathological hoarder. Mm. I mean, I think uh, yeah, there's some family members who probably have <laughs> their storage has got a few too many vacuum cleaners. You know. <laughs> yeah. How about, do you? My nan at the end was kind of quite hoarderish, but. I think it's probably overkill to say she was a hoarder. And also, that's kind of circumstantial when, you know, you start being less mobile and stuff. It kind of, stuff just starts to accumulate as opposed to it being, you know, an active sort of, well, I mustn't throw away the newspaper from 1973 type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I have been around uh, someone's house who I thought was sort of perhaps going that way. Hmm. Um, they, your, yeah. your your grand grew up in the UK, though, right? She was, uh, yeah, she was born within the sound of bow bells. Or yeah, okay, okay, um, that one anyway. Yeah, because I was wondering if um, it connection uh, to the um, Second World War, because of course, lots of people who survived the Holocaust, de- I have read, developed hoarding uh, habits because like, that was how you survived. Uh, yeah, no, that's that, that definitely track. Yeah, um, no, she's she's the. How many nans do you have? Four. She's the British one, British Jewish though. To be fair, but um, you get four nans, don't you, in your life? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You get two. You get two. Yeah. Oh yeah, you get nine. <laughs> yeah. You have four grandparents. That's why. <laughs> 
Well, it's the 21st century, Rob. That might mean you get four nans. You left me hanging for quite a while there. I was thinking, yeah, four. That's right. Well, I was going to correct you, and I was like, (laughs) there was a wave of cowardice came over me. I was like, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot if it is four. (laughs) You'll be like me, plow plow ahead, don't worry about it. Yeah, definitely four. And any listeners who are there kind of scratching their head going, four? I only had two. It's It's like a small, even number. That sounds about right. Um, and the other one was uh, Irish, um, right? But you can you can pass that stuff down, can't you? I was this is a bit of a right turn because <laughs> there was this person arguing about genetics, and then that that's the only way stuff was passed down. But then they, they were telling me about this rat starvation study, and then there's more cortisol when, it, when the mother's pregnant, and then that is passed down. And that's epigenetic. That's not genetic. Mm. And then I was, that was, I thought, fascinating. And then I read up about, do you know about the Minnesota starvations experiment? I don't. This is really cool. Um, It was around 45, I think. It was right towards the end of Second World War. And it was this person who'd actually invented this doctor. Let me see if I can get his name. But he'd invented, he'd been responsible for renting the ration pack in the uh, First World War. So responsible for sort of saving a lot of people's lives and they were realizing there were a lot of people ansel keys that's the doctor mm. uh, that a lot of people were in these uh, terrible starvation conditions some some concentration camp but also prisoners of war and all kinds of things like that and uh, that they were gonna need to study how to bring them back because they'd obviously experienced that thing of like if you give people who are on the brink of starving to death as much food as they want they will eat until they die I can't remember mm. what the name of the condition is, but there's there's some kind of thing where it's an over, it's an overstimulus and your body can't handle it and you die from 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 engorging yourself. Yeah, so this study was like this year long thing with these volunteers, and they were all conscientious objectors to the war, but they still mm. wanted to do their bit for the um, for the country. So they 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 and they were you know in and about the city, and just I can't remember how how many calories they were on. The first rehabilitative, 24 weeks starvation. Um, they were on like a ridiculously small amount of calories and they, they tailor it for each person so that if you weren't losing weight, they take away some more of your slices of bread. Right. And um, yeah, they found out some amazing things because of it. But it's, it's this really controversial thing because lots of the things that we understand about like body's response to like storing fat after a period of starvation or feeding windows, a lot of the terminology cycles and, and intermittent fasting, a lot of that terminology all comes from this experiment. Right. You're saying the interesting thing is that you wouldn't really be able to replicate it today because it falls foul of all kinds of ethical consideration. Mm. But the subjects were at least willing volunteers. Yeah, willing volunteers. That's right. Yeah, Which you know in the in the context of when was this the in the 40s yeah yeah, the yeah, yeah 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 right. in the context of 40s uh united states i'm guessing uh yes that's right minnesota yeah minnesota you said right uh yeah that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean let's say the medical standards at that time were bloody awful well that's the interesting thing that the person was said i agree right because there's the, the you know the tuskegee one don't you that's like i do i live down the road from tuskegee yeah yeah right exactly that's right we talked about before horrific breach of sort of forget like legal which it was but like just ethical moral like mm. breach of duty 
And, but I think the interesting quandary with the Minnesota, Minnesota starvation <laughs> that it seems like it is a bit of a breach of care the way they did it, especially like letting them out in the community. One guy got so like um, out of his mind that he chopped off a couple of his fingers. Right. And by any like modern standards, this would not, even with their consent, this would not. No, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't disputing that. Yeah. No. But the point was that the amount of good that was gained from it, this vast body of research is like, it's you, you, on balance, like from a utilitarian perspective, there's no questioning that it was the right thing to do, but it wouldn't be able to happen. Mm. And sort of like, how do you, how do you square that with the, with all of the positive outcomes that came from it? Well, and then we have to do a deep dive into utilitarianism and all, it, all its counterintuitive results. Yeah. Um, mm. You don't. I know. I'm not <laughs> going to have the answers either. Uh, I'll send you the link though. It's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. Really. You do it. Um, because one of the things that makes Tuskegee quite easy is that it wasn't just abhorrent what they did, allowing syphilis to run rampant through this community of mostly illiterate people who'd been duped into the study, thinking they were receiving care yeah. for bad blood, as they understood it. Um, that all makes it really bad. But it was also methodologically just appalling i mean there's nothing that you could have gleaned from that experiment would have been even useful it was just sloppy design so yeah it's, it makes it easy but you know had suppose they had designed it more methodologically okay would we say well on, you know on balance we really learned something about mm. syphilis there would be something monstrous about that yeah as it would, you know, with the Megale experiments with twins or um, the uh, lots of experimentation on um, uh, early experimentation on surgery that happens in the same part of the world in, in the deep south before and as the advent of anesthesia is mm. occurring and these people just being cut up. Yeah. yeah. There were certainly advances made there, but Marion Sims, I believe the surgeon was called. Right. I mean, is this, is this, isn't it the same story with what's the, there's a famous uh, vaccine that was developed because the doctor injected himself with the, with the, was it pox? Was it the pox? Yeah. The, the, uh, the cowpox vaccine. Yeah. Right. He injected himself, didn't he? He had to, that, that's medical history is sort of full of these people who have to put themselves on the altar. Yeah. Jenna, wasn't it? Good. Yeah. That's it. Jenna. Yeah. Um, which is why it's called a vaccine, right? The uh, vaccine coming from the same root as vaca, uh, Spanish for cow. I guess it's like a mm. oh, I didn't know Latin that. Latin term for cow. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah, you wouldn't do it today. You wouldn't do it today, but maybe you should. Um. Maybe I mean, I guess it. the the most the most recent analog would be like COVID, right? People putting themselves forward for COVID studies early. Yeah, but I mean, it's not quite the same. I know. No, it's not the same at all. It's so highly regulated. Yeah. This is what made uh, so many of the worries about the actual vaccine seem to me uh, so ridiculous. Of course, there are risks with any medical intervention, but the number of hoops you have to jump through mm. to get yeah. these things approved. What they call it phase four is human, right? 
phase yeah. four trials. Yeah, to get to phase four, it takes so long, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, and, and and not just long, but like so much work has to go into it. And yeah. and of course, people are concerned because it struck them as a relatively new kind of technology and something that had been brought to market quite quickly. Mm. But how much time has elapsed is only one indicator of how much time, as it were, real time has been put into understanding the effects of the vaccine. Mm. And uh, just the sheer number of people who were working on it at one time meant you could do, I don't recall the exact numbers, but something like 20 years work in a few months because the entire globe had yeah, exactly, right? medical resources. To say, yeah. yeah, because I remember at one point in the middle of the pandemic looking up like, you know, because in our in our world, broadly speaking, Western world, the the, the same sort of names kept popping up w- with regards to vaccines, and then AstraZeneca got a bad name, even though mm. obviously the 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 numbers around that are sort of very vanishingly small as well. I was looking up, I was like, oh yeah, the whole world has got this pandemic, and it's like Hungary's doing this vaccine, Chile's got this vaccine. Mm. You know what I mean? Like everywhere, there's like there was hundreds of different vaccines, and we only hear about however many. But all of that data, assuming that countries are sharing the information, all of mm. that goes into the wider pool, doesn't it? And this is why there was, yeah, like you said, so such quick advances in such a short space of time. Yeah, I mean, the people I know who work in medical research, I mean, they would just tell you up front, like. We we got to do COVID now. That's that's where the funding is, and you know, I mean that's a slight yeah, yeah, yeah. but that was I'm, th- that's not the world I live in no. quite. But uh, that was certainly my sense from the outside that yeah, every, everyone with a medical degree was being right, right. In to do this thing. Yeah, yeah, because if you're trying to pitch for funding and you're like, I'm interested in studying leeches, and they're like, <laughs> good luck, good luck with that. <laughs> And their potential. Ready? Hear me out. Hear me out. (laughs) So, Mr. Jones, you want to study the effects on tumor growth of storing what exactly in your room? Copious jars of urine. (laughs) Uric acid is what we're studying, but urine is the cheapest way to obtain (laughs) the acid. So. I'm afraid okay. we're have to. I'm afraid when we well, hang on. Yeah, sorry, uh, we have a lot of people. COVID. Did I say? Did I mention oh. COVID? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how many jars is it? <laughs> and do they have to be left open? Is that a requirement? <laughs> Not for the study, but for team morale. <laughs> the bliss of the abyss. It's here now. Speaking of. Um, Medical stuff. Did I did I tell you I broke my collarbone? You you didn't tell me directly. You told me by way of your lecture that you wanted me to give not lecture. Oh, of course. You wanted yeah. to give me notes on. <laughs> uh, no, me to give. Sorry, me to you rather. Um, so I didn't, but I don't. I don't know the entire story. So, um, wow. is it still broken now? Well, yeah. I mean, it's healing. We're about four, almost four weeks out from the surgery. Can you do any tricks with it? No, I mean it's been uh, it's been screwed together. Oh, you went deep! Wow. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So what so happened? It, it was a football thing, wasn't it? it was a foot- football match. Uh, we were winning one nil. Uh, teammate played the ball through to me. It was one of those irritating passes that is equidistant between me 
and the clumsy defender. Through ball. He's pressed triangle. Yeah. <laughs> so the team had pressed triangle. <laughs> and I was tapping R1 to sprint to the ball. And this defender did a slide tackle. And it looked like he was going to clean get the ball. There was no reason for him not to get the ball. But then it turned out his leg was just too high. And he had pressed square instead of circle for oh. auto foul. <laughs> yeah, got in hard. And um, click, click. joystick. It was yeah. I turned on my joystick, which um, didn't help at all. By joystick, I do mean penis. And uh, so he connected my legs, and like for a split second, I was like, "Ow!" Because it really hurt. It really connected. Uh. And immediately afterwards, I landed on my shoulder, and I was like, "Forget the legs." Yeah. This. I don't know what this is, but it's new, and I don't like it. <laughs> and it's not going away. Going away. And so, uh, you know, people crowded around because I was, you know, when you're in that much pain, like it's kind of like an ankle sprain, but maybe a level up, mm. like a, you know, when you full on tear the ligaments or whatever in your ankle. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, I do that feeling. Yeah. And so I'd land on my shoulder and then people crowded around and said, do you want an ambulance? And I'd had a similar injury before where I'd let myself fall heavily because the guy who'd found me was this total dick and I wanted to get him sent off. Right. But this was many years ago. And so I thought, and that time I like lightly put my shoulder out and a couple of weeks later I was fine. I thought, well, this feels kind of like that. Mm. And I went off. Um, There's a guy on our team with some chiropractic experience. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Not a doctor. Yeah. Come this way. No, it's better we do it in the room. Yeah, but so he he took a look at it. I was still in a lot of pain. Yeah, a couple of minutes later, and he just thought this doesn't it doesn't look right. I think your arm may have popped out. Mm. So he quote unquote popped my arm back in, which I think was probably just the two parts of the collarbone oh. fucking past each other. Oh. And it, which was after he did it, it was I saw stars. It was excruciating, but then I did feel better. Which either means he like finished yeah. the job and broke the bone. And the <laughs> adrenaline was. You know, what you want is a clean break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just punched me right in the collarbone, and it felt great. Um, yeah, and um, then I laid. I had to lie down. Yeah. <laughs> and I just said, you know, just call me an ambulance. Yeah. I'm, I'm paying for the. You're an ambulance. Statutory. <laughs> <laughs> You're an ambulance. <laughs> No, call me an ambulance. You're an ambulance. <laughs> You're an ambulance, mate. Hey, I'm in a lot of pain. Ambulance. <laughs> so yeah, they picked me up, took me to the uh, to the hospital, and I assumed that they they took an X-ray. I assumed they were just going to say, "Well, you know, looks fine. You just rest it up." And then, but sure enough, it was a break. And it was one of those breaks where the technician, who's not really supposed to give you the medical diagnosis, was just like. They're gonna have to operate you, mate. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the bone was just so misaligned. Right. Yeah. It was unlikely to heal, or if it was gonna heal, it was gonna heal in a very awkward way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, a couple of days later I went in under the under under knife. Under knife. General or local? General. Mm-hmm. Which is the first time. And I was remarkably calm. I thought I'd be really nervous, but then which ended up being important because the day before I'd been standing around a part of this huge hospital complex waiting to have my pre-operation chat. So I met the um, 
anesthetician and they talked me through what the yeah. <laughs> full <clears throat> anesthesia was going to be and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, you know, there was a couple, there was a meeting with some bureaucrat and it seemed like we'd done everything. And then, so now I'm in this gown, you know, with my ass showing in the, the foyer to the operating theater, there's a line past which you're not supposed to tread unless you've been, uh, you know, you've sanitized your hands and all the rest of it. Right. And they're just like, do you have your um, consent form? Uh, you know, after you chatted to the surgeon, I was like, well, yeah, it should be there. If it's not there, it might be in my documents, in my bag. Anyway, we're so we fish around for this document for 20 minutes. Uh-huh. And then I start to ask them uh, questions like, you know, what, when would I have gotten this form and all the rest of it? Now, when I got into this area that we're standing in, they'd offered me a pill to calm me down. I, and I turned it down because I was like, you know, honestly, I'm feeling really fine. My pulse isn't elevated or anything. I'm, I'm good. And it was, uh, it was good I didn't because it turned out they had not debriefed me what the surgery was actually going to be. Easy. Because the whole time I was standing I was thinking, no one's actually talked through what they're going to do. I mean, they're going to fix it, but they haven't really said what that entails. And that was how it Well, Hurst, dear, the pill should be <laughs> kicking in any time now. <laughs> yeah. So I had to, like, sign the paperwork. But had I taken this calming agent, Mm. I wouldn't have been allowed to. So I would have had to sit around for three or four hours waiting for this. Oh, of course. Yeah. Cause you'd have been off, yeah. a bit kooky. And then, yeah. and then you were under for how long and what did they do? Not, not long, like an hour. And then they bolted a plate or they screwed a plate to the collarbone. Two screws and a plate joining it. No, 10 screws ten and a long screws. plate. Yeah. 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 There we go. They didn't give you the Ikea job. You got the full. The Germans, they don't fuck around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really. yeah. The Ikea job. <laughs> oh, we're missing a, there's always a screw missing. <laughs> has anyone okay. seen, has anyone seen the Allen key? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they use a proprietary Allen key. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Just jam it. Just twist it there. It'll be fine. Oh, it's kind of bent off a bit. Oh, we right. <laughs> you got a hex, a different kind of hex key. The star one that normally, that normally. Can you be cool at the airport now and walk through the thing and keep beeping? You you won't be surprised to hear that you're not the first person to ask me that. But I did fly recently and nothing happened. Were you disappointed so, or secretly thrilled? Well, I couldn't tell if the machine was so sophisticated that it could tell that it was just titanium and not worth worrying about mm. or if the machine was so bad that despite the fact that i had this <laughs> chunk of like 300 grams of metal or whatever it is on my shoulder it just it, it had no idea do yeah. you imagine that when it heals you'll be stronger than before because you know metal you never had metal in your body till now i guess as long as the plate's there that's possible but in t- the bone itself i've read is will be no stronger or weaker than before <laughs> And yet, you should read what I'm reading, mate. <laughs> weaker a lot with you. <laughs> you are fucked. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, went, it, yeah, it sounds like sounds like it's still too early to tell, I guess. If it's only four weeks ago, that's still pretty fresh. Um mm. like are you you have you got full range of motion and everything back? More or less, yeah. I'm not supposed to raise my arm above. That's what I'm level. doing now, yeah. I'm not supposed <laughs> I'm not, to do this. I'm not supposed to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It burns. I'm imagining, yeah, that, like don't do press ups and weightlifting and stuff like that. That would be, yeah, but right? you know, <laughs> needs must. Just you to- stop an animal like me from <laughs> exercising his natural instincts. 
Rob, you can, and I haven't done the press up <laughs> since. Yeah, I'm not supposed to lift more than five kilos, although it's not clear to me at this point if that advice from the early stage. It must be on a sliding scale, right? You'd think so. It'd be weird if at three months it was just like, now you can lift 100 again. (laughs) 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 Yeah, the final calcium atom has gone in and we're good. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever been operated on? Other than the knee? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, Is that general? That was general. Um, yeah, the other time was for the the ingrown hair I had on my face that I almost died from. They had to, what? They had to it was infected or what? Yeah, it was infected. Yeah. One little hair tried to kill me. Almost took me down. Um, yeah, that was the only other time. And they, I had to go under twice for that, which was pretty horrible. It's Twice for an ingrown hair? Yeah. It was I was this close to septic. And, uh, oh my god! When was this? A huge abscess years ago. I was in Malaysia. Uh, Tried some cream on it at first, and then uh, <laughs> that didn't work. I was rushed to hospital. <laughs> if anything, it made it worse. <laughs> was it sun cream? Was it sun cream? Rob? <laughs> Mayonnaise. <laughs> Same color in it. <laughs> Slam it on. So cream. Did you have? I, I remember every time I've been on under. Um, when I wake up, my throat's all scratchy because they put the mm. tube down there. Did you have that? I didn't, uh, but I'd read about that. Yeah, you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you up. when you when you deep throat as regularly <laughs> as I do, Rob. I mean, the calluses there are pretty thick. Yeah, it's it's, this... it's a miracle I can breathe. What's this form they made you sign again? <laughs> Lot of conditions on this. This is a very long document, Doctor. Um, doctor, I noticed in the the X-ray you took during surgery, there's some kind of large, fleshy, cylindrical object just where my throat. Yeah, be, is it? Do you know what that's about? That is a special tool. Yeah, it's a special tool called the phallus, and uh, it helps us. Um, how you say? <laughs> you know, feel good about our jobs. And that helps us do the better work. <laughs> and the vice that comes up the, the end of the vice. <laughs> it's, a, it's a kind of bulb sous the <laughs> the garganta. And, uh, you know, that's why you feel no, none of the pain now. <laughs> uh, anyway, round two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it was so successful. We're going to have to put you down again. Uh. <laughs> Wait, you mean put me out? You put me, put me down? <laughs> yeah, we felt the full anesthesia wasn't quite enough to, you know, satisfy some of the slightly freakier <laughs> yeah. doctors. And uh, three doctors poking their heads around the door, all <laughs> looks on their face, giving them the thumbs up. <laughs> I noticed, Doctor, as well, you took 17 separate x-rays and and the instrument seems to be slightly differently shaped <laughs> and every everyone was there's a professional camera. lighting rig as well what's the <laughs> what are the cameras and the curtains reminds me of a story that my my mum's got this um smooth collie it's a type of collie dog wait that reminds you of a story involving your mum and a smooth collie um yep 
are we sure we want to that's how i came to be <laughs> uh, but she took him for he needed a, a, a procedure i can't remember if it was surgery i think it was surgery he'd cut his paw they had to sew him up he's quite rambunctious mm. um so they were like well we'll give him a little pill to calm him down so they give him a pill and like 20 minutes later he's still like <laughs> like hmm doesn't seem to have done much well we'll, we'll we'll give him give him a two give him a double dose so give him a double dose 20 mm. seconds <laughs> right yeah he he's quite uh he's he's quite up he's got a lot of energy actually that's that's right <laughs> let's jab him from behind with the needle <laughs> really <laughs> he was like, <laughs> like fuck <laughs> go woozy <laughs> I'd love it if the story continued 20 minutes later. <laughs> We've given him enough to put down several bull elephants and uh, <laughs> we're at a loss at this point. <laughs> yeah. Is he, is he still with us? He is. Yeah. He's still, still lively. His name's Milo. He's, he's, he's a bit of a funny origin story. My mum got here. He's a rescue. Uh, it's quite a funny story. She got him on the very last day before lockdown, the last day people were allowed out. Mm. He, she met the owner, the previous owner, in a car park in the midway point between London and Nottingham, which is where he used to be. She was like, "I'm not coming down all the way to London." So I was like, "We meet midway." So they meet at this car park, sort of like a, like late at night. Country's about to go into lockdown. It feels like a drug deal. It's like, <laughs> he's your dog. Um, anyway, so my mum is with um, my little brother, Jem, at the time. <laughs> Still my little brother. <laughs> <laughs> is he dead? Did he grow older than you? I mean, the questions are just proliferating. Seven years ago, he was two years older than I will be three years today. How old? Do you, do you remember that when you were a kid? You're like, I can't yeah. wait to be older than you. You haven't, <laughs> you haven't thought this through. So anyway, so she's with Jem. Right. So they, the sun's going down. They get the dog. The news of the lockdown's been announced. It's got that weird energy. There's nowhere is open, right? It's like, remember that place where if you're out in public and you needed a piss? There was nowhere. So they're like... Oh, fucking hell, just go in the bushes and then we'll, you know, get this dog home. So go, my mum goes in one bush, my brother goes in another bush, go for a piss. They turn around, coming out. The woman hasn't left yet. She's just oh God. sat there in her car. She's on the phone to the police. <laughs> they took my dog and they took him for a piss. I want him back. <laughs> They didn't take the dog for a piss, or they went for a piss. I mean, one of them was a crime, the other one could be. And was it in a jar? God, this <laughs> it was. Been a bit of a pissy evening. What's going on? You know, I'm wow. doing. Uh, I'm doing sober October. No pissing for me. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure sober October <laughs> means you stop pissing. And if if that has happened, Rob, you may want to consult with your physician. What's your doctor's name? He sounded very good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, my my uh, house artist is called Roland Ulick. Oh, you're on surname terms with him, huh? First name and surname. First name and surname terms. 
Yeah, um, and he's he's kind of like a he's not a silver fox exactly because he's not good looking enough, but he's <laughs> you know he's pushing that age, but kind of three day stubble, mm-hmm. kind of world wise, you know. Mm. Uh, doesn't doesn't take medical complaints too seriously. Mm. I remember the first time I went, he was like, "You can take the mask off. You're gonna have to confront the disease sometime." <laughs> and I thought this it's this seems right. to seems to contradict all the expert <laughs> advice I've heard. Um, but when it came, to, when I was there for, to get my collarbone checked, yeah. he, uh, I was saying, you know, um, they told me I'm not supposed to raise it above 90 degrees and all the rest of it. He's like, ah, they always say don't move it. You can move it. It's fine. But then he was like, but, you know, don't raise it above 90 degrees because that that does put too much of a burden on the bone. And I thought, fucking hell, if Roland Ulig is telling me yeah, not to raise it above 90 right. degrees, like, I probably shouldn't do that for a couple of years. Because this guy... <laughs> it's probably lit- more like 60 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just... Not Roland. The arm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Ah, gotcha, Roland. Now <laughs> bind the arm to the body forever. Just lop it off, cauterize it, <laughs> good to go. I hear you loud and clear. At which point he'd be like, "Don't bother, don't bother cauterizing it. You'll live." <laughs> Is this really what he sounds like? He's a, no. he's a gruff East End. <laughs> Although now I think about it, it's sort of not East End. Yeah, and he's. German, Germany doesn't have uh, Germany has regional accents. Yeah, but it doesn't have quite as class determined uh-huh. accents. You know, there are like sloppier ways of talking, or whatever that will out you as uh, you know as a as a prol rather than an aristocrat or whatever. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, it's less There's, in the accent; it's more in the vernacular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, and so the only thing that comes close to that really is the regional. Thing. But even that is not because class is kind of indexed to class as in the UK, <laughs> as it is in the UK. Uh-huh. Like if you have a northern accent and you've gone, say you've still gone through the university system or and still have a northern accent, there's kind of like an assumption like, well <laughs> it didn't take. <laughs> he, he's not really one of us, you know. <laughs> Gave it a go, but he's still northern. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have that quite to the same extent. And the kind of effort to wash the regional accent out is not quite as pronounced here anyway so but so what would he sound like in english yeah he'd probably sound a bit like that yeah you know you don't want to move it too much but uh <laughs> my i had um i had the opposite with my knee guy because where I, they were like after it all healed they were like right do you want to do the acl now and i was like what do you mean <laughs> it's like the equivalent of going back under the knife for another procedure. I was like, why, why didn't you do both at the same time? You fucking bastard. Wait, what? So while they were in there, they were like, ooh. Yeah, they know. This is a dumpster fire. Yeah. <laughs> My knee was a fucking dumpster fire. Exactly. Well put. So then I went back for the final, as I thought would going to be like the final sign off bill of health. There you go. Well done on your physio. He was yeah. like, round two. <laughs> Um, I kid you not. And I was and I was like, well, I don't know if I really want to do another year of surgery mm. and recovery because it's a really long recovery on the knee. Yeah. And I was like, what would you do? He was like, how old are you? It's like, haven't you got my file? Doc? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, who are you? <laughs> this was for the uh, breast implant removal, wasn't it? 
60. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, I just need to take a sip of this drink here from one of these jars. <laughs> it's like, how old Dave? <laughs> so I was like, well, I'm, I'm 37, was it? 36. And he goes, well, if you were 10 years younger, I'd say definitely get the surgery. And if you're 10 years older, I'd say definitely don't bother with the surgery. But you're a liminal case. Yeah. I was mm. like, you are the expert. Are you telling me just go with my gut? Like <laughs> You've been through all of medical school. You've been a practitioner for years. And your advice is, what do you reckon, mate? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, Mr. Newmark Jones, we wouldn't advise you to go with your gut because we did have a look at your gut. And <laughs> it's if right. you were 10 years younger, we'd have you replace it. If you're 10 years older, here would be your bag. No, oh, I don't want the bag. <laughs> no, no, no. We've upgraded to jars now, and uh, they always remain open, which is uh, what makes them so fantastic. <laughs> Isn't the glass quite fragile? Yes, yes. <laughs> but the smell is terrific, so... And it's a collector's item. It's a real collector's item, you know, and if you ever want to open a kind of Victorian shop of curiosities, uh, you're in, buddy. I mean, you're in. Medicine, eh? The marvels of modern medicine. Do you do you have like a most memorable story from from the we call it the COVID era? I'd have to think about. It. Have you got one that comes to the top of your mind? I have one from the very beginnings. Go on, then. It was April. It was April third, and I know that because that's my eldest son's birthday and he turned he must have turned four and either we or his grandparents i don't recall bought him a pedal go-kart mm. in ra racing green you know as, a, as toys go pretty elaborate yeah that's pretty good and so we took it for a little spin around the block and of course he was still you're allowed to for those who weren't in the uk or don't remember at this time you're allowed to leave the house once a day for exercise or if you were buying necessities like supermarket goods or medical supplies, that kind of thing. So weird. Yeah. But basically you weren't supposed to leave the house except for exercise. And we hadn't left the house that day. Now we ended up going just around the block and into the cul-de-sac that was behind our house. And this woman who lived in the house behind our back garden, effectively in this cul-de-sac, as we're tootling past her window, past her front garden you know casper's over the moon it's casper's my son he's pedaling along with this go-kart i'm kind of like pushing him along and she opens a window and she goes do you mind so i stop and i say what are you talking about but before i can really respond she says you're jeopardizing the health of the community <laughs> christ and now, on the one hand, like at that time, we didn't know much about the virus, of course, but we knew it was a respiratory virus. It's not like this was the first cold or whatever. And she was basically asking us to like get the fuck away from her house, from which we were, you know, probably she was talking from the upstairs window, and we were probably about seven meters away from her or something because the yeah. pavement goes past her front front garden, which is quite small. But. We were at that point further away from a window than we would have been if we'd been playing in our back garden, which we were at total liberty 
to do because of how our back garden was positioned. Mm. So it was just ludicrous. The idea that we'd be infecting her outside from this distance, even with the ignorance we had of the disease, was just insane. And despite the fact that I was with my now newly four-year-old son, I just went absolutely fucking mental. <laughs> I absolutely lost it. What did you I say? just went, I just went, the fuck are you talking about? Go fuck yourself. I mean, I just fucking red in the face, screamed at her. Jeez. Because you've got to remember the context. We've been at this point, what was it? March 23rd, I think the yeah. lockdown was announced or brought in around that time. Around right? there, yeah. So we're in week two or three of sitting around at home, in our case, with three children. And two dogs. And two dogs. And this woman, who we, the other thing as well is there's some context here. Yeah. A little, a couple of months prior to this, there'd been a storm that had knocked over. This is, this is now veering totally into neighborhood gossip, you know. Right. <laughs> well, the thing is, Mrs. Jones told us that, <laughs> um, that Gary at number 10 had, uh, had seen the flowers and <laughs> cut them anyway, even though he knew they belonged to Dorothy. But anyway, so, um, the, there'd been a pretty bad storm and it had knocked over a fence that abutted the back of our garden. Mm. and the a pathway that went between the, our back garden and her front garden. And so my stepdad basically just volunteered to fix it. Mm. Uh, it was total eyesore and total eyesore for her because it's falling into her driveway and the rest of it. But it's not really clear who owns that fence right. because of like w- uh, the weird ways that the um, D's yeah. have been carved but, up. But a fixed fence is better than a broken fence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, regardless of who owns it or who's exactly. ultimately responsible, like, yeah, absolutely fix it. Because I think technically the fence was the responsibility of our neighbour yeah. who owned the pathway, whatever. That's not important. Yeah. So he's volunteered to fix it. <laughs> he's fixing it. And while he's fixing it, the my kids who are just curious about what he's doing they're on the road in that cul-de-sac and occasionally they kind of go onto the her driveway to have a look at the fence and stuff and so he's doing her a solid and she just goes could you get your kids off my driveway <laughs> just like <laughs> what but like like they were doing donuts with a tank yeah. or something you know and just like they're a plastic bag or something <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Could you not? Could you not let your dog shit on the drive? Yeah, yeah. like that kind of tone. So that was that was part of the context. So Ooh, that would part been. of the context was set was that there's going to be nothing reasonable coming out of this person's mouth. Yeah, and when it was already on its own merits, evidently unreasonable. Yeah, I just went fucking mental. Anyway, so I'm screaming at her, and she's occasionally trying to kind of interpolate herself into the barrage of abuse. <laughs> Which is mostly me just going, the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, go fuck yourself, you fucking twat. You know, that kind of thing. Casper, of course, is looking fascinated. Taking yeah. notes. Interaction. D- cover your ears, son. You can use fuck as an adjective, a verb, <laughs> and a noun. I think I had an adverb. Did you use it as a <laughs> Yeah. I really admired the when he slipped into the subjunctive mood. I thought that was, you know, poetry. Um after the tirade had abated, she just she's totally stunned. She was not expecting any pushback, let alone the, this absolute blow dryer. <laughs> Which honestly, if she was concerned about getting COVID, she really should. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Provoke me and elicited that response. 
but she just looks stunned and then she just goes, How rude! <laughs> <laughs> Which then became like mine and Casper's slogan for the rest of the spring and summer. Nice. Um, which was quite good. But um, that story, as well as just being sort of a funny neighborhood one, also brought out a fact which I observed. I don't know how what your experience was like, but that the COVID lockdown rules, because they were so draconian and so unprecedented, there was a certain group of people mm. that it, they emboldened. It kind of brought out their inner fascist. Mm-hmm. And you're suddenly like, okay, so this neighbor is the one who would be dobbing me in to the Gestapo if things went that way, you know? like, And that was a horrifying, if also illuminating thing to learn, I thought, from that period. And that wasn't the only, there were other experiences like that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember reading about a news story that uh, this one neighbourhood in California where the local government had set up a hotline where you mm. could dob in your neighbours for for breaking violations, mm. and you know, not for not for sort of like any kind of serious thing, just like I saw them out walking their dog kind of thing back when mm. like lockdown was total. Because yeah. yeah, like there's there's one extreme where I think I've told you before about my brother's housemate at the time who was like out partying and raving and stuff during the first lockdown, and. Mad. That is behavior where it's like you really shouldn't be doing. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's there's that level, but like you said, there's 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 that prurient upside to some people of like I'm going to judge you and get you in trouble because you're breaking some kind of rule. Even, yeah. No matter how sort of um, what's the word arbitrary and irrelevant actually in this case it may be. Mm. Right. It's like. Um, my friend in San Francisco was like walking down the road and someone on the opposite side of the road, empty road, they had their mask on. They took down their mask and yelled, put on your mask, put on the mask and walked on. And they were, you know, it's a completely empty road. And they're just walking down. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I think part of it is people not understanding how the transmission works and just acting out of fear. There's definitely an element yeah. of that. But that's being sort of, a bit kind to him. There's also the fascist element as well. <laughs> there is that, that kind of, there's a sort of rule fetishism yeah. that it brings out. Yeah. And the fact that the the measures have gone to a certain extreme seems to, as I put it just now, kind of embolden people to, oh, I, I, th- I can really get into this role. But you're right. We have to have, interpret it with a bit of charity because I think a lot of people, for obvious reasons, are under pretty unique psychological stresses. Yeah. At that time. Weirdly enough, I remember now that you've said that, because my birthday was t- April 23rd that year. <laughs> Unlike previous years. No. Was that-, that the one where your brother overtook you in age? Or- <laughs> That's when he was now twice as young as me, whereas before yeah, I was right. Yeah. Uh, Actually, that is mathematically possible. So that was, that was, that was a silly joke. <laughs> unlike, unlike all of the other ones we've made <laughs> at least they were silly. logically consistent okay Bibbidi, bobbidi. Um, <laughs> yeah what um with the weird the weird part about the first lockdown is that we were still renting this room that was now t- been turned into an office 
we were still renting it out. And so lockdown happened and suddenly we were ordered to stay at home the whole time. So I'm here, plus my wife, plus a roommate. Do you know what I mean? A house You're stuck with a lodger. Yeah. yeah. So for for quite a few months, she was still here before she realised, hold on, this is rubbish, and went back to camp. <laughs> <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> um, so it was really weird, because like my birthday, we'd had all this elaborate thing planned that we couldn't do any of, of course. And so instead, Sam, who was the lodger, and Caitlin did this thing where they uh, turned different rooms in the house to different like places around the world oh. like, the downstairs loo was jamaica right so there was reggae playing there was a, a little um, beef patty with some hot sauce kind of thing pretty harsh on jamaica that is the bog you know it was it was the opening gambit I, uh, <laughs> there was uh italy was in the kitchen yeah you, I, you're yeah i see the problem now <laughs> this is a very problematic birthday actually <laughs> Now I think back, it was deeply racist. <laughs> <laughs> the other bathroom was Ghana. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the shed was um, New Zealand. Uh, the shed of the world. Yeah, it is the shed of the world. <laughs> Wait a second. No, we can't do that game. I was about to say rooms of the house countries of the world but you know what it's going to be problematic let's not do it uh, we could just let's just do uh let's just do the nato countries i mean i think it's carte blanche there okay where's ukraine go then mate well right now it's the fucking skip isn't it yeah it's the skip of the world certainly is fucking can't believe it i've got i had to message my friend who lives there the other day because mm. he's in kiev i had to be like you're right because they just fucking lobbed they bombed him again didn't they yeah yeah, just like fucking launch some missiles at it. That'll work. Mm. Yeah. Insanity. Well, I'm glad you ended what could have been a fruitful and entertaining game by going straight to the bleakest. <laughs> yeah, well, what happened is I realized that my story was just a memory rather than a narrative arc like yours. So instead of trying to find some punchline, I bailed out and brought it. <laughs> The what about the what about the Ukraine, eh, Nels? What about the Ukraine? Wait, what? <laughs> Still <laughs> laughing now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a big joker, are you, Nels? Yeah, well, the Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, it well, fun. it is at times. Um, yeah, and and was your friend okay? I'm assuming he is. He's he's fine. Yeah, he's got he's got a new kid as well. Sort of four months old. He's doing well, but um. That that is uh, that's not what we we can't end the podcast on my my friend who's admittedly doing well but is still in Ukraine. Mm. Well, since we last spoke, I've had some other misadventures. Uh, there's one in the south of France. Okay. Do, you want, do you want to end on that? That's one? fruity. Let's end on the south of France. It might be a bit drawn out. Which was my living room, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Also the toilet. Now, when I said they um, made different regions in the house, I just meant in the bog. Yeah. They were different. Places. Each time I went, guys, I just want to take a shit in peace. Can we stop? No, we know. <laughs> and you can take a shit in Pisa.
Take me to the south of France. I'm going to eat a watermelon stick. So I went for a weekend because my very good friend, his mum had passed away a couple of uh, months before and they were there to spread her ashes. Basically, she had owned a property in this tiny village called Najak. And, you know, a medieval village, really, really picturesque. And so that seemed like the most fitting place because she loved it. The most fitting place to go back and remember her life and remember what drew her there and what drew her to kind of, she didn't settle there exactly, but she had a holiday home there and all the rest of it. So, yeah, so, you know, hot, hot days in June. We get to Toulouse. We travel down to Najak. Um, it's me, my friend, and his his brother. Who I know we know each other from our school, high school days, basically. Mm. Um, we have this. The day when we spread the ashes is glorious. We go up to the top of the castle turret. Um, we recite some poetry. It's quite tearful. Mm. We spread the ashes. They don't just <laughs> dump to the ground as you oh, might. Yeah. yeah, they really do waft away in the breeze in the most poetic way. And we that evening we go uh, to the basically the one bar in the central plaza of this village, and there's a band playing. And by the end of the night, we're, we're all hammered, reminiscing about our life and all the rest of it. And we take over the instruments and we start singing. Her name is was Judith, mm. so we we sing Hey Jude, which was her favorite Beatles song, wow. and uh, some Pogue songs which she loves, and it's right. just glorious. Um, anyway. So that's the kind of context. And then it, <laughs> and then the ending is me walking down the hill because this village is on a hill, walking down the hill to the train station. And I see on my phone, it says in French that the train has been cancelled. And it's the last train back to Toulouse where I'm due to catch my flight. And I'm like, oh, my French isn't that good. Maybe this cancelled means something else in this context but no it's been cancelled and so i'm somewhat strategically somewhat <laughs> i was gonna say somewhat schadenfreude but basically strategically pleased when i arrive at the train station there's a smallish group of people who are clearly in the same mm. boat as i am and they're on the phone there's a station phone and the french railway <laughs> people are saying look there'll be a train there um no, no the train sorry has been cancelled but there'll be a replacement bus in 15 minutes so like great Not just hang out that. here get a replacement bus 15 minutes later they're on the phone it'd be 15 minutes it's like the seinfeld where they're waiting for the table at the chinese restaurant, restaurant. yeah <laughs> <laughs> five ten minutes you know it's just that over and over they're there for a while and then it turns out it's not a replacement bus. It's just the bus that is passing through Najak. I'm like, okay. And when's it coming? 15 minutes. You got time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're all, they're waiting. And then we get the call on the on the phone. They say, look, it's not actually going through Najak. It's going through Lagapit, which is the next village up the line, basically. Right, okay. Um Luckily, there's a couple of people in the group who are the hosts of some of the people who are trying to get back to Toulouse. Mm. So they're locals. They, they have access to cars. They know people. They get things done, you know. Wow. And so they round up a couple of large vans or cars. And um, we all go to the Lagapi. 
So now we're at the bus stop at Lagapi, opposite which is a hotel that is clearly burned down in the last few months. Also a kind of idyllic village, but things are looking bleak. Yeah, and it's the middle of the night now, right? No, 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 no. It's 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 the last train. The last train's at like seven p.m. It's the middle oh, of summer, so oh, right, right, right. Of course, because you're quite remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting late. It's remote part of South of France, but it's getting late. But it's still light. Mm. Burnt down hotel is crazy. <laughs> I was not hotel that. Is a little little ominous. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a phone, of course, at this bus stop. Someone's on the line to the <laughs> same people. Hey, it's me again. Fifteen minutes. <laughs> It'll be over like that. So we're there, 15 minutes past. <laughs> 15 minutes, 15 minutes. At this point, we've been here for over an hour. And I'm realizing, like, if someone drives me straight to the airport, I could still get this flight. So there's an elderly couple, not that old, but, you know, <laughs> they're not getting any younger, Rob. <laughs> they're sat on a balcony, basically just watching us wallow in our obvious... You know, evident misery and so with I've befriended a German girl there and a French girl there ooh things are getting spicy <laughs> things are getting spicy so I asked the uh, French girl to translate for me and I basically go up to him and say hey do you know anyone or would you be willing to drive me to Toulouse um, I've got like I don't know what it was 150 euros or something because I'm yeah. figuring at this point to buy a new uh, plane ticket I'm, it's going to be like yeah. 300 euros whatever anyway yeah and they are just they give they give the most gallic shrug you've ever seen i mean it's just like they couldn't give less of a toss yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> to lose you could have said a million francs and i would have <laughs> <in> my brow <laughs> with your face no way buddy hey i'd use a guy who told that woman to fuck herself when she told you to get away from the house which i think is quite reasonable Frankly, you are all too close. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not interested. They're not interested in thinking about anyone who might be interested. I'm just imagining like a young guy with a car. He's like, yeah, yeah I'll, he'd I'll make be well up for years. it. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple hours work. No, they can't do it. Anyway, it's pushing on. And then we get a phone call. Hey. It's me again. <laughs> Is it 15 minutes? It's much worse. <laughs> It turns out the bus has gone to the other station in Legapi. Oh, By the way, there's no, there's no way there's another bus stop in Legapi. Like this is very the clear. One horse yeah. town. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we don't know what they're talking about, but the bus is gone, and we're not in it. Fuck. Yeah. So now with these uh, these two women I've befriended, I'm like, look, there is a bit of a town there. It looks like on the map, there's a couple of cafes. Should we go and see if someone would be willing to drive us at this point? I don't think I can make the flight anymore. I just want to get to Toulouse. Yeah, of course. They're really keen to get to Toulouse because it's their last chance to party with this friend who's leaving town or something. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> One thing leads to another yeah. and we leave the bus stop. <laughs> so we walk into town. We're going from cafe to cafe going, you know, I'm not worrying about the translation so much anymore. I'm just, yeah. Does anyone speak English? There's a lot of expats there. Yeah, yeah they do. Would anyone be willing to drive us to Toulouse? No, they can't. Okay. So we figure out at this point, there's another way to get to Toulouse, which is to go to a town called Gaillac, which has a train that is running and it hasn't left yet. It's going to come in like 
50 an hour and a half. It'll be there 50 minutes. <laughs> Don't you fret. You're such a little warrior, little warrior. It'll be here. Will it be like the bus? It could be like the bus, but it won't be like the bus. Anyway, I can't stop this voice. It's making yeah. me cough. <laughs> So yeah, so it's in an hour. It's in an hour. The train in the other, <clears throat> the other village. So you've yeah, got, you've got some hope at this point, then. Yeah, because now it's this village is only ha- half an hour away. Perfect. So the 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 probability that someone's like, yeah, I'll take you there for hundred euros. Yeah, quite high. So I remember being at this one cafe. Does anyone speak English? Turns out quite a f- lot of them are anglophone and um i say look would anyone be willing to drive us to gayak uh, there's money etc cetera, etc cetera. and there's this couple in their 50s maybe their 60s english couple and the man just goes it's an impossible ask mm-hmm. and you know at this i've explained that we're stranded and we don't have no way of getting back to the jack either so if, if no one gives us a lift here we are <laughs> we're camping out in the cafe yeah, yeah. i mean we you know we yeah. are at the mercy of this town yeah and as it turned out later we were at the mercy of this town uh-huh. but i'll get to that and it's, it's an impossible ask and i'm like impossible. you know what yeah it's an impossible ask you know it's so reasonable and i thought well maybe it's like a dirt road maybe even though it's only 30 kilometers away it's like like a five hour yeah just to get there and i looked up and I, no no it's a, it's a 30 minute drive so I don't know if this guy hadn't understood the concept of impossibility, um, <laughs> if he was training for a role in an absurdist, you know, like a Dardai's play or something, but he was talking shit, Rob. But anyway, regardless of what he's talking, the the, the headline is, he wasn't going to give us a lift to guy. Yeah, he's not your man. So um, the girls are quite keen on trying to hitchhike, which we sort of tried to do at the bus stop, but it was the wrong end of town. So now we go to the right end of town and we try and people either don't want to take us or they are people leaving the cafes where we were already cap in hand, failing to get there. Uh, uh, or they don't have enough seats in the car. We've kind of committed to stick together at this point. Yeah. And now it's getting dark. Yeah. And we're starting to think, well, we haven't eaten and we don't know where to sleep. So <laughs> we're looking like, are there Airbnbs in this? Right. Yeah, at this, this point, you're, you're even kissing the Toulouse plan goodbye. Yeah, yeah, Toulouse is, yeah, we're, we're now realising we are in this for the long haul. We are in Lagapi. Oh, God. Which, to to the French girl, her suspicion was that it was um, the local Occitan dialect word that means the wasp, which uh, just is perfect, you know, and we were getting stung. Uh, yeah. It turned out it doesn't mean the wasp, but it was something the town was leaning into because they were bumper stickers of like it was a horror movie. It would wasp be picture. Wasp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is an impossible ask. Nobody has driven <laughs> down that road. <laughs> well, how you bad would, can it be? <laughs> you would have to be bona fide insane to go down that road at this time in June. <laughs> I laugh at your list. Um. So we make our way back into town. We find the one cafe that's open. And all they've got is beer, <laughs> cake, and apple juice. Hmm. So we proceed to have a dinner of beer, cake, and apple juice. Okay. And they're closing up shop. And uh, we've got chatting, chatting to the young owner. And he's like, um, so what's the plan? And we say, well, we, we checked Airbnb, and it doesn't exist in Lagapi. And the one hotel has uh, evidently recently burned down. 
So, <laughs> and there's always the wasp. But other than that, we're fucked. He's like, no, no, no. The town is the wasp. Ah, okay, yeah. Um, so we're like, we're just gonna walk to the campsite because there's a campsite and it's a warm night. I guess we're just gonna have to make the best of it. Okay. So we start. We're heading up the hill, and then as we're halfway up this road, we hear the footsteps coming behind us, and it's the cafe owner, and he's like. Listen, I have a dent. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, great. Because frankly, that is a big upgrade on open air. Yep. So we walk back with him to the cafe. And for whatever reason, he has his tent in the cafe. It's right there. His, Has been like recently used? I have no idea. It's just <laughs> wrapped up. <laughs> it's, not, it's not constructed. All right, okay. <laughs> Very suspicious. Yeah, he's not like an agoraphobe. Yeah. He's like, One at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to cost you... Have you. Are you familiar with me- medical procedures <laughs> in Hamburg? There's a little instrument called the phallus. Uh, there's a balming cream, though. So. Um, so he's got this tent. He give, gives us his tent, which weirdly has in his cafe. It's like, okay, great. And his sister is out. It's late at night now. It's a warm evening. And she's out soothing her toddler kid. And she comes over to see what, you know, what all the ruckus is about. And she's like, you know, I, I have a pillow and a camping mat. Things are looking up. We're like, great. But we'll take those too. So we go down uh, to the river bank, which is in front of this another castle. You know, it's a pleasant evening. And in the darkness, we pitch this tent. And now we're like, <laughs> who gets the pillow? Oh, and there was also a duvet or a sleeping bag. Who gets the pillow? Who gets the camping mat? You're not getting any. Who gets the duvet? <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember which one I got. I think it was the wrong one, whatever it was. Yeah, of course. I think I got the I think I got the pillow. Was all right. Yeah, not necessary. <laughs> it got cold. Um, the tent, fortunately, is quite large, so it's there's not some like weird weirdness uh, yeah. in the tent. Um, yeah, and so we spend this night in Lagapi on the riverbank in this tent we've constructed in the darkness and uh, make it through the night. And the following morning, we get to the first train. Now, the rest of the group had made an early decision to head back to Najak because they had options there. Mm. So we get on the train and we then meet this group Mm. on the train and um, they've evidently already filled the conductor in about what happened last night, Mm. how the train company had totally fucked us basically. Yeah. And so the conductor comes around and she's like, you know, tickets, please. And I just give her a look. And she and she just goes, just we did all it. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh man. That look must have told so yeah. many words. Yeah, just the t- fatigue. Yeah. The, yeah. That's um so but yeah, it was it ended up turning into this mad adventure. I remember my mates who were still um, back in the jacket, but I had no way of getting back there. Yeah. Them texting me and saying, yeah, how's your, how are you getting on? Or how's your evening going or whatever? And I just remember texting me back going, you, I don't think you would believe <laughs> <laughs> the turn this evening has taken, even if I told you. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, so that was exciting. Yeah, it was a bit wild. That, that story could have gone so many different ways. That's yeah, the, the guy following us to the campsite. <laughs> <laughs> At one, point, the worst. <laughs> At one point, I thought the elderly couple had burnt the hotel down, mate. 
there's another one where you get to Toulouse and you're like, forget the plane and you go to the club with the cup. <laughs> yeah. Wife's there somehow. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> what are with you? With the children <laughs> looking sad. <laughs> oh, dude. Well, look, there's no way we can top that. That was absolutely fucking fantastic. Pills tennis beer. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's me. You're welcome back on any time. <laughs> Lovely to chat. Yeah, my best to Caitlin. And uh... yeah. Nils out. <laughs> Catch you later, man. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, please give us five stars and consider becoming a subscriber and maybe even supporting us on Patreon. Really, really, really helps me continue making this show. Uh, if you haven't enjoyed it, and you can fuck off. Many, many thanks to Nils Hennis-Steer for the amazing music and to Dave Fox for the cool artwork. Please keep coming back every week for more Bliss of the Abyss.